All right, everybody, welcome back to the Expanded Minds podcast. Today, I have Lensa with me, and uh, how are you doing today? Hi, thank you for having me. I appreciate it so much, and I've been looking forward to this night to talk about things that excite me, so thank you. No problem. You basically talked about, or in the email that you sent me, you said you would like to talk about things such as spiritual realization, the awakening movement, you know, people that claim themselves enlightened and then mental health and so on and so forth. So like on those topics, like what are some things that you wanted to talk about within those uh, topics that I mentioned? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I was actually kind of thinking about what I wanted to talk about and I came up with three topics that I thought we could really talk about and engage with and, um, and discuss and have fun with. And that's, <laughs> you know, thoughts and knowledge. Those are one thing, you know, thoughts and knowledge and then experience. And then at the end, um, the icing on the cake, which is enlightenment or the search that we're having, um, all that stuff that, that we're looking for, the searchers. Okay, in terms of thoughts and knowledge, like, what is um what comes up to mind when I mention those two words? Um, thoughts and knowledge. What comes to mind is um, the perceptions that we create, the center, the eye. Um, that's where it comes from, and the meat of the eye is knowledge and thoughts. And when you say eye specifically, are you saying like the ego? Or are you saying like like the pronoun I, like, what do you mean by that? Um, basically the ego, the perceptions, the ideas that come from, you know, knowledge. Um, knowledge is thoughts, you know, thinking is thoughts because without thinking, there is no knowledge. Um, mm -hmm. And all thinking, all thoughts are matter. When I say matter, it means... Um, I don't mean it in a fancy, you know, way. It's just that, you know, when I think about a computer, it's matter. When I think about a relationship, it's matter because it's between two people. Um, uh, when I think about doing stuff, um, it involves matter. So thinking thoughts are matter. Um, mm. Yeah. Are we recording already or? Yeah, we're recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so in terms of like knowledge, right? And performing that sense of I or identity, um, how much in terms of like maybe your parents, how much in terms of societal influence um, comes into play when, a, you know, in terms of forming that I or forming that sense of self, you know, to that kind of absorbs all this information and knowledge and takes it in and then acts out this knowledge that's given to them? I think that's a really good question. But then the question kind of answers itself because you answered it with your the I, the center, the me, the the per, this persona that I the personality. Everything is really coming from the outside. You know, the outside creates who I am. Even though as much as a lot of us would like to say, you know, my personality is my own or my ideas are my own. 
um, they're usually always influenced from the outside. Um, whether it be our parents, whether it be the educational system, whether it be an experience that you might have had, you know, maybe you've had like this intense experience where you were outside your body and you had this revelation and then suddenly that makes up your personality and then that becomes added to this thing we call the center, which is the me, in which every perception is shaped from this center. Um, it's almost like math, you know, you have to have a, a center to be able to measure things, right? If you don't have a center, you, if you don't have a point, you can't measure, obviously. Same thing with science. You have to have a point, a starting point to be able to do all these activities that we do. And that's the same thing with us is that we decided to make it a point. And that point usually always comes from our family, our education, our society, our personal experiences, all that stuff makes up who I am. So there is nothing, absolutely nothing that you can really call your own. It's all coming from outside. Mm -hmm. And so this self-centered thinking, is this part of just humanity in general, like this me? Can, is it something that can be overcome? Or is it something that like, you know, what is what is your thoughts on that? Yeah, is it something to even know, try to get rid of or you just leave it? You know, something happened in our process of, you know, I don't know if there was evolution or whatever you call it. Something happened to the point where the animals don't really do this, you know, like the dogs don't do this as much as we have where we've separated basically ourselves from everything around us. Um, we've started, basically, we started naming things, right? This is the tree. This is the car. This is the uh, river. And we literally made that separation literal. It's a literal fact as if it is two different things. And so that naming process became so rigid, it almost became like it's a fact. It's an actual thing that you and I are separate. And it became the norm. And we've forgotten that we've given those things the titles, that the idea, the concept of being separated. We've created that for the sake of communicating. I mean, how are you gonna communicate with one another unless I can name them? I can I can say that's you and that's me and that's your mom and that's your brother. Unless I do that, there is no way you and I can have uh, a any sort of communication. We would be lost. But then in that separation and that way of separating ourselves from all things around to be able to communicate, we've forgotten that we've done that. But really, truly, we're all kind of connected. Um, there is no separation. There is nothing between you and I except that concept of me, you, different, you know? And kind of like an obvious question, maybe someone that kind of struggled with what you just said there. 
I think somebody might hear what you say. And then you talked about in the beginning thoughts are matter. How do you kind of, how do you process through that? Because it's like, obviously I, I have like this microphone right next to me. I can grab it. I can feel it. I can I'll just toss it at something, break a wall or something. But um, with my thoughts, you know, I can't see necessarily the direct effect that it would have on my immediate environment. So, I mean, maybe if you, if you can kind of go into a little bit more detail on how thoughts are matter. And I kind of like, I like you said there too, just how, you know, what's separating me and you is just the thoughts and the concepts. But like, if you can kind of break that down, I think it would help people process through what you said better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, we've gotten into this rabbit hole of, um, we've become so motivated as individuals, as people for, um, things of the world, right? Like the goodies that we get from, you know, how can I have a nice house? How can I have a nice car? How can I do that? And, um, unfortunately, we've gone into this very, very narrow lane of, you know, the only way to achieve this is you have to work hard, you have to do this and that and this. Um, and then somebody came along and said, you know what, no, you don't really have to do that. You could do that with thinking and with with your thoughts, because matter is thoughts. Um. The thing with that is, if you're thinking about a phone, that thought about a phone, that thought is a phone, you know. Um, um, so there is no, you see, we separate ourselves from it. The thought about a phone and the phone are the same thing. Um, does that make any sense? It, it makes sense maybe on like an energetic level, like the, cause I mean, someone had to think of the invention of, a, I mean, if you want to kind of narrow it down a little bit more, someone had to think of the actual phone and how it's made in order to make it right. And mm -hmm. so I can kind of see in that direction where it's like, all right, if I, before the phone existed, it was just a thought in someone's mind. And then it eventually became a reality where it's a physical phone. So I can kind of see how they align in which like, you know, maybe the, it took a certain process for it to actually come into existence. But again, though, I, but maybe the way that thinking, we can. All thinking, all thoughts are about material things it's matter things it's it's nothing outside of it um can you think of anything any thoughts um that's not connected to matter mm, i see what you mean so there's some, someone of like an externalization like whenever you think it's always about something externalized or something That's like that. That's what I mean. Yes, exactly what I mean. It's it's all the stuff we think about is matter. Okay. Yeah. And so is pursuing knowledge a good thing? Is like building up all these thoughts. Like if I if I go out and, you know, decide to pursue, I don't know, whatever field I, I'm interested in, 
is building up a lot of thoughts about certain things healthy or can that be damaging to someone's psychology or what are your thoughts on that? I think there is, um, there is a place for everything, right? You've heard that before. There's a place for thoughts as well. Like you just said, if I want to go learn something new, a skill, Obviously, I'm going to need instructions, which is built up on codes. It's like a language, you know, codes. Um, unless you understand those codes of a language, a different language, you're not going to get it. You have to go in there and, and get it and understand it and retain it and repeat it, right? That's really what knowledge is. You go in, you train your brain in a certain way in your practice. Your brain, your circuit, your the way how you drive a car, you have to practice it and you have to do it again and again and it suddenly clicks. It's the same thing. Knowledge is very, um, it's very mechanical. It, it's, it, it goes over and over and over and over in circles. It's never new. It's not something new. But is it, does, do we need it? Of course we do. But then have we gotten lost with knowledge? I say yes when I want to come back to experience and how we separate ourselves. You know, we've gained all this knowledge, which is all good and, and great. But then we've kind of forgotten the fact that, you know, we are hurting ourselves and everything around us by a lot of different things that we we do. Okay, and, and you've been like, a, you're a licensed therapist, so you've dealt with people that have struggled with their thoughts and their own, you know, egos and maybe a buildup. Is there certain examples that you can give in terms of like somebody that has, you know, gone through, maybe they've calcified themselves in their thoughts or maybe they're lost in their thoughts and they start to maybe unwind that and, and get to know themselves on the inside? Yeah. Um, you know, I run a very, uh, um, I run a private, private therapy practice and I really like what I do, but then sometimes, you know, I see how we are all the same. Um, you know, I can see myself in their shoes because I live those things. I live those moments where I feel, you know, I feel angered by some things or I feel depressed about some things. And But then the thing is, we forget that the thoughts that are being created are so mechanical that we're so used to them. We never question them. We never step back and say, hey, does this even make sense right now? Um, and people don't really bother, like you, you're doing what you're doing. People usually don't bother doing that, you know? What do people, people usually come to me to say, hey, I have an issue, I have depression. What can I do to get out of it? And as soon as you tell me that answer, I'm out, I'm done. There, are they really interested in really learning about themselves and reflecting on it and, 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 uncovering layers and layers of all the assumptions that are made no they're interested in an answer and an easy answer hopefully you know 
Well, yeah, like someone with addictive tendencies will be looking for the next out kind of thing. It seems like like they would have a that's how they're I guess they train their minds where it's like they want to look for a way out. And so maybe the, them going to psychology is like, what's my way out here? And yeah, then, or like depression, very common, right? Anxiety, very common. They come to you and say, how, what can I do to get out of this depression? It's not looking into the depression itself. You know, it's, they're not interested in, in doing that. They're interested in getting a relief from it. And then as soon as they get the relief, they're done. Um, but the, the, there is no urgency to look into the question and to look into oneself and to, to live it and to breathe it and, and to understand it. There's, there, nobody's interested in that kind of stuff. And they're interested in how can I put a Band-Aid on it and, and feel good? And that's what I want. I want to feel good because I don't like the pain. How do you like get someone to like examine, examine themselves like very deeply? Cause like as some, I mean, as someone you see that maybe they're intrigued with what you're saying, or maybe they, yeah, they get a hint at what you're saying and they want to go deeper into that. How would you then get somebody to start to deeply examine themselves, look into their depression, like you said? Yeah. Um, that requires really, um, a very strong sense of honesty with oneself. You know, you have to be, you have to be ready to be honest with yourself and your being, your whole being. And you have to be ready to say, question everything that you've been told, everything and anything that you've been told. You have to be ready to shred it and flush it down the toilet right there. And who is ready to do that? Nobody. Um, and then once you do that, you have to question your assumptions that you've made about people, about yourself, about your emotions, about where you've been in life, who you are as a person. You have to question all that. And most people are not interested in doing that. That's too much, you know? Um, and the first step is really getting to the point where you don't have any sort of um, person over your, you telling you how to think or how to act. That's when you can have the freedom to, to start looking for yourself, to start being okay to even explore with somebody like myself, you know, even to look with a person like myself, because if you're not ready to, to put those things, those things that you hold as true as the truth, um, then it's difficult to communicate, you know? And so like, that's the first step, kind of like asking questions. Um, when do you think someone starts to become, how, develop like a healthy relationship, like with their thoughts and things like that? Like what does a healthy relationship with your thoughts and with knowledge look like? Um, like I said, it's, it, it has its place, right? It's, you need it to live life. You need it. How could you live life without knowledge? How could you live life without thoughts? 
it's impossible you know it's impossible like people talk talk all this about you know you can be a thoughtless being no you can't you have you need thoughts to live to have relationships to um to be able to do things you need those thoughts it's but it's it's really getting down to a point where you see the 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 line between where is thought useful and where am i inserting all these things about a situation which are far far from anything any truth um so yeah it's it's it takes a lot of um meditation and when i say meditation that's another word that i don't like um why don't you like it um because it's been it's so diluted it's so it, now it's it's just the word doesn't even make any sense anymore because people are most people are now you know we've been using it in the in, a, in the wrong ideas it's almost like you know it's almost like you ask me your clients come to you, to you with med, uh, with depression and then they ask you if i meditate does that going to stop my depression no how is you, you meditating going to stop your depression um meditation is you know it's a way of life it's it's a way of being it's a way of breathing it's almost like the way you breathe you you meditate it's not you sit in a little corner of your room at night light some candles and and wait for something marvelous to take no meditation is an everyday movement it's 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 going back to that idea of relationships um and it's seeing yourself in that you know it's it's looking at yourself because because at the end of the day the only way you can really truly look at yourself is through another person's reflection right um but that's yeah. so like with the like spiritual movements that are going on nowadays like what what do you see in them that is very like kind of we, we talked about this a little bit like in the email where it's like what what do you see in these movements these new age spiritual movements that are basically ex, you know exploiting people from money and things like that or whatever whatever they may be doing or intentions like what kind of corruption do you see with these you know new spiritual movements coming out you know you can have an experience i'm not for a second saying you haven't had an experience that's that's amazing that's so real and so tangible and so beautiful you can have that experience um but then you have that experience and the moment you have that experience and you recognize it as an experience for one there's we can go back to that center there is that center 
And if that center is there, that center is always the person that will um, translate or put assumptions on it. That center is always making that the reflection of what have what he has seen. So that center is always illus an illusion, basically. It's it's made up thing that's looking at it. Um, so you know these people have their experiences and then they go around making all these assumptions about as if what they had experienced is so important, everybody else must see it. And when you do that, the life that you're living right now doesn't seem so meaningful anymore. There's something better. There's something more funner. There's something more exciting. Um, there's something else to look forward to. You know, there's something, there's a place where you, you could be out. There's a place where you would be at, where you would be better, where you would, you would be functioning in a different way. So this, this life becomes absolutely meaningless. And so you basically waste your entire life trying to be this thing they told you about. For one, you don't know it's true. You're just assuming that they've had these wonderful things and you need to be there. And so you work all your life trying to, to get there. And then they tell you, you know what, maybe this life... You're not worth it, this life. Maybe you need to go on to the next life to get it. So keep working in this life, but you're not going to get there. It's And people believe it. People say, okay, um, and go worship all these people that tells them what to do and how to be and, and how to act. And it's, I mean, you see it every day probably more than I do too. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, what can be a specific example though? I, I know that I know I know what you mean, but like me for somebody that's uh watching, maybe they want a more specific example, maybe of like a like a certain spiritual experience that um, or religion. Yeah, I won't I won't call anybody's name, but there are yeah, gurus, right? There are all these gurus that talk about, you know, how you need to be, what you need to be, what you need to do to self-realize, um, to reach enlightenment, um, uh, to, you know, to become this thing that you need to become, which is godlike, whatever it is. It does not exist. It's it's made up, it's an, it made up, it's from this center that you made it up. They made it up. They're fooling you and you're being fooled by it. Um, it's, it's made up. Uh, there is nothing more important than what you're doing right now. Um, if you have goals, that's a different thing. You know, if if 
you want to run a business one day and that's your goal, great, work at it. And that's probably more tangible than the spiritual thing that you do, which is wake up every day trying to be become enlightened. Not going to happen. Um, and I think you... That also doesn't mean don't learn about yourself. That actually gives you more room to learn about yourself and not to take people's ideas to be your own without looking at it. You know, you have to look at it. You have to question everything that you've been told and not sleep on it. You know, this is what we do. We take somebody's idea if we like it and we run off, make a nest on it, and go to bed. Um, and that's how we act usually as humans. It's, it's, it's a comforting thing. You know, where can I get comfortable where it doesn't feel, you know, unsafe or scary, where I can, I can hold on to something and rock with it for the rest of my life? I think it's we are afraid of letting it go and to see it for ourselves, to look at it for ourselves, to find it for ourselves, not based on what the guru told you, not based on what your church told you, not based on what your God told you, not based, but what did you find on your own? What can you say on your own for as a fact to yourself, not don't tell me what somebody else told you or what don't tell me what experiences you had but what did you find and uh, so so what would it be like i i mean this is a stupid question but what would, <laughs> what, what would be your definition of enlightenment or you know what do you think people hint at when they talk about some kind of spiritual reality that you can experience and I'm not talking about people that are talking from like BS, like a BS place, like maybe someone that has experienced it and maybe it's their, that's the path that they've formed for themselves and they want to help other people, you know, realize this. So maybe what would it be the deconstruction of that? They realized it, if they told you they've realized it, if they told you they're enlightened, there's nothing more you can trust me on this they have not they do not know what they're talking about whatsoever and i can tell you that with 110 percent certainty that if they told you that they're enlightened or it comes out of it like it sounds like that they don't know what they're talking about because how can you know you're enlightened you can't you can't separate yourself from everything around. The only way you can say that you're you're enlightened is if you do separate yourself, right? What are some questions that that you've asked yourself that like pertains to knowing yourself? Like what are some questions that you've asked yourself and maybe you've answered for your own self? I used to ask myself who I who am I? And then I discovered that's a wrong question, you know, that's not a question. And you will you will probably find that to be, you will find that to be true too. Like, 
who am I? Who am I? I used to question this, you know, who am I? Who is this? Um, and then I figured that's it. That's not a question I should be asking myself because that question doesn't make any sense. Because um, there is no person, there is no, I mean, there's, there is a person for the means of communicating with you and with people, but there is no, you know, there is no center. There is, there is just, there is just a one movement and you can't even say what it is. You, I can't say I am consciousness or I am this, I am that. I mean, so who am I was a question that came up for me over and over and over again. Um, when I was really trying to get insight into this, you know, into this thing. Um, but yeah. And then, I mean, what was the next question though? Like, what was something that, that you asked yourself that was like insightful? Um, after who am I? And then I figured that was the wrong question. Um, I would say that I started to question everything, um, you know, and, and question even how I see things. I mean, you can look at science, you know, you, you don't have to believe all these people, but science tells you that your brain does doesn't even know that it's doing things, you know, your body doesn't know it's alive. Um, what tells you that your body's alive? Education, what we've learned. We said, this is a living thing. That's not a living thing. Um, so I, if I say I'm alive, the only way I can make that kind of a statement is because of what I know about being alive, right? Um, my parents have told me that this living thing does these things and moves and my education, my schooling have told me about the heart. So everything I make a statement about is because I was told that. But the body itself is finding that the body doesn't even know when it dies or when it's living. It doesn't. Only knowledge gives it that thought, you know, knowledge gives it a point. You're born here, you die here. But for the body, is there death? No. Is there birth? No. It's continuous movement, right? It's, it's a continuous moving particle. It, it doesn't, it doesn't know that, like, my eyes do not know that I'm looking at you, the knowledge I have of the perception gives me the, the idea that I'm looking at you. And this is not like out of, this is not like a thinking that's so new. Scientists know this, how the brain works and, and you know, but we, we often don't make that connection um, so rely very much on our perception and our sensory perception on 
on our memory to tell us what is and what's not. So perception's a main key factor in people, you know, trapping themselves in their own mind, right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. I mean, it's all nowadays, it's all perception, right? It's all perception. Um, you know, like, let's say I have a, a moment with you where you say something mean to me. Instantly, what? I remember, let's say you call me um, stupid. Instantly, my brain flares up and says stupid is not a word that's kind, right? And so I get this emotional response with it. And then I act based on that. Um, But then if I just step back and say, you know what? Stupid is just a word, right? But I have given a stupid, that word stupid, energy, right? A lot of energy into it. I've put a lot of assumptions in it. Um, it's almost like if I, if I made up a word like Gucci, Gucciere or something like that, you don't know what it means, right? You haven't put energy into it, like negative energy into it or positive energy into it. So it's just a word, but stupid over the many, many years, we've put so much energy in it. In this case, we call it negative energy. So when I hear it, I respond instantly to it Um, and instantly with anger too. So we are always bouncing about in this movement of, you know, memory and perception and what we've learned over the years. and, And that's what governs who we are. So like in your practice, are you helping people control their perception or is there like um is perception like a muscle that you work out like learning how to like view um, things the thing that, is correctly? when people come to me the first thing i say to them is i have a disclaimer and they they go what the disclaimer is there is absolutely nothing this person can give you Everything that happens in this session is by you and for yourself. Um, And it's really true. I can give them an idea or a perception, but unless they see it, unless they see through it, Who is it going to help? Nobody. The only important factor here is them and them only is you have to be able to do the work to be able to see it yourself and not in any way put me as, you know, in charge of you because the moment you put me in charge of you, then you're going to do whatever I say. And it's no longer your call. It's my call. You've put me as your person 
that's going to now dictate how you act, how you base your actions on. Um, which is why I said first thing, first and foremost is to put aside people that you consider as that can give you the way to it, you know, the path to it, because they actually become a hinder to your path. Um, it's the same thing with, you know, religion, right? You, If you have Christianity and you accept it, you're going to act all your life from this box of the world of Christianity. Um, but then if somebody comes along and says, hey, look at this. Christianity is based on thoughts. People created it based on imagination and, and, and fear, and they wanted to find a safe space, and they thought that Christianity was the place. And then the person says, ah, I see it. And they move. They, they decide to say, okay, what? But then the, the sad thing is they go from Christianity to another thing. You know, now they go into Buddhism or now they go into um, um, this thing called enlightenment where they, so they would basically went from one box to another box, but they're all the same box. You know, it's like you would say, like, that's kind of how they like, train themselves or that's how they're that me, that center views things or that's how the perception holds where they have to be put in that same box or that familiarity of control or. Yeah, like it's it's a box where it's, you know, and if you're in a Christian box, you're acting all your life based on all, all these assumptions that you've been given. And then you realize maybe this is not the way but then you jump into this self-realization enlightenment path but it's the same trap because here in the christianity box they made up all these assumptions about religion and god and and you realize that but then you got into this box, which is the same thing, made up assumptions about higher self and men and, and being, reaching your top and all these things. You saw it in this box, but you don't see it in this box. So you're kind of tra trapped in the next box. So you go on your whole life, you know, trying to be um, a monk somewhere uh, in the mountains and trying to get enlightened for the rest of your life because you think that's the right way to do it and or and then somebody comes along and says you know what you don't have to be a monk in the mountain that's that's not the way um how about you try this new fancy and then you try that for another 20 years um so you kind of change clothes all the time you know yeah, and just to, um, just to kind of play with what you said there, it's like uh, maybe someone who's in more of a Christian circle, right? It can be a little bit more dry, though, like maybe because there's so many rules that people have to follow, whereas maybe once they go into more of a self-realization, there's less rules. And so, you know, transitioning over, then maybe someone can have a spiritual experience, right? And then 
because of the less rules and maybe have more time to really think and contemplate. And so, well, how you said, like maybe the, it's hard to see the perception of control because now that having spiritual experiences, it's a different, you could say maybe flavor, but, um, you know, what, what do you think of that? Just like, how maybe someone can transition, transition over, even though Christ, Christianity has different roles, different culture, different community, different words, and someone transitioning over to maybe a self-realization movement, you know, and they experience something different without higher self experiences, you know, all these meditative experiences, like what are your thoughts on that? And how maybe, you know, they can get stuck and lost in the perception. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting that too, because now you've created levels, levels of here, you're worse over here. You know, in the Christian box, you're kind of worse because you're, there's too many rules, very strict. And then in this level, you know, in this part of the level, maybe it's a little bit lenient, a little bit easier. Um, you can explore a little bit more of yourself. It doesn't matter what level it is. It's it's both very much conditioning. It conditions your mind. It it's at the end of the day you're still under the mind that's making up things, making up an assumptions. Um you're still in that cycle and that hole. You haven't stepped out of it yet. So it's the same thing, whether you're here in the extreme part or here you're a little bit loose, but you're still playing the game. Um, and then you might think that, you know what, because I see it here, you'll make an assumption. Those people in that Christian box, they're... I don't know what they're thinking. You know, they've gone a little cuckoo over there. And then these people are thinking, you're gone a little cuckoo. And, and everybody's making an assumption about the other box. You know, we're all doing that all the time. Um, and then after you, you say, okay, well, what about atheists? Let's not believe in anything. And then those atheist people judge these people who are there and judge these people who are there. But they have also created themselves a box, but they don't see their little box over there. You know? Um, mm -hmm. interesting. Cool, yeah. Was there any other, like, topics that, that come to your mind? Um, you know, I think um, the only thing I would say is at the end of the day, um, it's your life. It's um, in your life can only mean something when you give it a meaning, right? That's really the truth. You can search all your life looking for a meaning, but it's only meaningful when you give it meaning. Um, and if you consider this life meaningless and you start looking and searching, that's that's your say, that's your choice. Um, 
but there is no place to go. There is no place to be. There is nothing better than what you are right now. Um, and hopefully when you realize that, then you can have a different kind of relationship with people around you, with things around you, with the environment, with the trees, with the nature, with the animals, and with the people that you call my loved ones, you know, um, then you're going to have your relationship with those people will never be the same. But as far as as much as you're looking for a different way, escape, I call it escape, basically escape from your reality, you're not going to find it. All right, cool. Is there anywhere that people can find you or is there any, um, yeah, if someone wants to reach out to you, is there anywhere they can, you know, reach out? Um, yes, I have, do you mind putting my email in and yeah, sharing I, I my can, email? You have my email. I can probably just pop it up right here. Like I can just put it in right there yes. and also put it in the description as well. So. Yes. Yep. Please reach out to me via email. I love to talk about it and, um, go from there. All right, cool. Thank you for coming on. Hey, thank you so much for letting me express myself in this way. I think you're awesome. Um, and um, you, this is really a treat for me to be able to, this is a way I can express myself and I, I enjoy being here. Thank you.